0: Hi there. It's Lauren LaGrasso here back with you, my baby. And before we get into it, I just want to remind you that my debut song comes out on Friday, November 8th, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to share it with you. It has been incubating for years now and it is just ready to be birthed into the world. So if you can't wait to hear it either, what you can do is you can go to my Instagram, at Lauren Lagrasso, and you can pre-save it. So like if you listen on Spotify or if you listen on Apple Music, you just go to this link, press pre-save and it will instantly appear in your library as soon as it's available on November 8th. And I also have a single release show that I'm doing here in Los Angeles. It's actually in West Hollywood to be exact, at Bar Lubitsch on Monday, November 11th. It's going to be at 8.30 p.m., covers $10 at the door, a steal, less than it costs to go to a movie. Also, it would have been my grandparents' 69th wedding anniversary and it's 11-11. Great time to be together, to be getting into our creativity. I'd love to meet you, hug you, and just share this music with you. It would mean so much. So I hope you can make it out. And now I'm going to get into a little creative check-in. And today's creative check-in is that just because you can survive somewhere doesn't mean that you should or that it's ideal. And this idea was brought on by, believe it or not, succulents. Yes, succulents. Those saucy little plants that are like a hybrid between a shrub and a cactus. And I've had one for quite some time now. I got it for my 29th birthday from my dear friends, Roxy and Ashley. It's in a beautiful pot. And Ashley said it was like some sort of like designer looking pot. It really is. It's gorgeous. Like I keep it actually in the corner on top of my water cooler, which maybe isn't the most attractive way to display it, but it just makes me happy to look at it. But I've recently found out that succulents are actually meant to be in a storage unit, aka a pot that has some sort of drainage because that's how they best grow. And it's also meant to be in a specific kind of soil. It's kind of like a hybrid between soil and rocks. And this succulent is in a pot that is beautiful, incredibly gorgeous, but definitely doesn't have drainage and is potted in regular soil. And, you know, my mom stayed with me for quite a time earlier this year and I was talking to her about the succulent. I said, yeah, it's really interesting because... What this succulent has managed to do in this pot where it doesn't really belong is create its own drainage system. So it kind of like separated, it's hard to describe with audio, but it's separated from the rest of the dirt and has created its own way of draining. So like it's in its own little system that sits on top of the soil. and And when I water it, it drains into the soil. So it's found a way in this pot that isn't ideal for it To survive, but it would still be happier in a pot that was made for its particular needs. And it made me think just because you can survive somewhere doesn't mean that you should or that it's ideal. And how many times have we, like these succulents, put ourselves in situations where we could survive and we could make our own little thing work? Like, how many times have we been in a job where we found a way to make it more creative? But we could have also just done the thing that we wanted to do instead of putting ourselves in a situation that didn't quite serve us that we could survive, but it doesn't mean that we should survive it. Now, my little succulent didn't have a choice. It doesn't have legs, but we do. And every day we have the choice to get up and get out of a situation that doesn't quite serve us. So if you're in a situation where you're surviving and you're even thriving because you found a way to like carve out something that feels slightly authentic to you, realize if there's a way for you to live in the place that would be fully authentic to you because you can have the drained pot, whatever that would be for your own life. Because the ideal situation is available to you. So just because you can be in a place and you can make it work for you and your humanity doesn't mean you should. Keep that in mind. And really be honest with yourself. Are you making something fit that doesn't quite fit? Whether that's a relationship, whether that's a job, whether that's a friendship, whether it's a house, really be honest with yourself. Is your environment ideal to your humanity? Or are you having to go out of your way to create a scenario in which you can survive? Like my poor little succulent. And I'm really going to try to repot it sometime before the end of the year. Because even though it survived, you know, a year and a half at this point, it deserves better. And so do we. Zoe Cantors is an actor, writer, and producer, best known for writing, producing, and starring in her original feature film titled Up There. Zoe is also a friend of my bestie, Johnny Manganello, a.k.a. Johnny Cakes, who you know and love from his past appearance on the show. Zoe grew up dreaming of acting. She went to the University of Michigan and graduated with her BFA in theater and a dream in her heart to move to Los Angeles. Upon moving out here, however, she quickly realized that the business side of her creative passion was complicated and she wasn't prepared. She learned the hard way and cut her teeth doing web series and plays. However, after years of waiting for opportunities, she wasn't fully satisfied and finally decided to empower herself. One day, she decided to quit her serving job, write a feature film, and go back home to Michigan to shoot the film. Within just a few months, her and her boyfriend slash writing partner, Daniel, had written and filmed everything.
1: I think I was just so scared. And I didn't know how to create the environment in order for success. And I just kept joining in on other people's projects rather than starting my own because that felt easiest. And it wasn't until my boyfriend was like, you have to start writing. You have to do it.
0: Today, the film has been shown at several film festivals, is being screened in movie theaters across the country, and will be available on video on demand later this month. Good things can happen when we empower ourselves. Zoe is proof of that. I wanted to have her on to talk about how to kick fear out of the driver's seat and take your life into your own hands. I also wanted to talk about the important role our romantic partners can play in our creative journey. Her boyfriend and creative collaborator has been a huge cheerleader for her in her journey to believe in herself. She shares some important tools on how to work with your partner that I know you will find fruitful. From our conversation, you'll learn the benefits of going to acting school, why when you're writing, it's important to just get something on the page, even if it sucks, the connection between tight deadlines and success, how to get a film distributed, tips on working with your romantic partner, plus why a threpple can be a huge benefit when it comes to creative life. Oh yeah, you heard me right. Can't wait for you to hear that part of the discussion. It's so good. Now here she is, Zoe Cantor's. So let's talk about your path.
1: Okay. Let's (laughs) do it.
0: (laughs) Do you remember the first time you knew what you wanted to do and what that felt like?
1: I'm one of those annoying creatures that was like, it's the only thing I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. So it's a, it's a blessing and a curse.
0: At what age was this transpiring? Like what was the... I
1: started singing when I was young. So that's when I got the like love of performance. The bug. Yeah. You know? That, that <laughs> nasty bug.
0: It really can be nasty at times. It, and there's no fucking flu shot for this. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. It's PSA. Get your flu shots. All right. Um, I've never gotten one. I mean... <laughs> never will. Next question. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. So I just... it it. It always bring me uh, brought me so much joy, and Mm -hmm. like it's where I connected with people the most. It's everybody's Mm -hmm. story. It's like where they found home. It's where they felt like they're most successful and in flow. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And my parents were really wonderful and supportive ever since I was really young. My mom's a dancer. My dad's in music, so that creative gene is there. Um, And it was just like there was no other. There was no other option for me. Yeah, and then I, and luckily I've been pushed in the right direction along the way and I've ended up here and, and figuring it out.
0: And here is sunny Los Angeles. <laughs> la, la, Welcome la, la. to the City of Angels. Yes. But before you came here, you went to U of M. And yes. that's something I actually haven't delved into with any of my interviewees yeah. yet, talking about what it's like to really go to art school yeah. and what are the benefits and drawbacks of that. So yeah. how did you make that decision and what was the experience like for you?
1: I actually started at Michigan as just a general LSA student. I didn't know this. Yes. Scandal. I, because to be honest, I was I was scared. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I, I came from a tiny school in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which the only reason a drama department was there was because of me. I had an amazing English teacher that supported me and was like – gave me opportunities Ooh, to act.
0: Can I pause for a minute? Yeah. Like you were actually creating, self-generating creating from the time you were young. Yeah. And so yeah. that's really interesting that that ends up being the thing that kind of like pushes you through now.
1: And funny because I, I pushed against it for so long. Like mm-hmm. I I told myself for so many years, I'm not a writer. I'm not a director. I don't want to produce. And It's exactly what I needed to be doing the whole time. It's just accepting that I was capable of doing those things Mm -hmm. and I wasn't just an actor. Because I was so scared of – I have an issue of not doing something right always. Mm. And there was a huge opportunity for failure. Um, So accepting that it was okay to fail. How
0: are you working on getting over that, that need for perfection?
1: By doing it. Mm. And – by just diving in, and it, it, it's it's. I think writing is a has such a similar feeling of you just need to get something on the page. It's gonna be bad the first time. That's okay. You're gonna get better, and you're gonna become the artist that you want to become. Anything hard, you're probably not gonna do perfect the first time.
0: Anything, you're not gonna do perfect exactly. the first time, unless you're a prodigy. Which congratulations, <laughs> um must feel great. It's not. But me. very <laughs> few of us have that ability, and right. I think you know it's something I've talked about again and again. People are probably getting sick of me talking about it, but we need to hear it. Yeah. The art of being bad at something. Yes. We forget what it's like to it's suck. Huge. You yeah. know, when we're kids, we don't know we suck. So we're like, yeah, let's try it. Right. When we're adults, we're so highly skilled at the things we've been doing that when we do something that's new, we beat ourselves up and yeah. don't want to go back to it because it feels shitty. Right. You know. Right. But the fact that you push through, it tells the universe that you're ready to step forward and like take on the harder things, Yes, which it will bring you the harder things and the things you're more highly skilled at and in the things that you're new to because you're going forth with that power of belief. Right. But back to U of M. Yes. So (laughs) so you you went to a high school that didn't have a drama program. You kind of created that first kind of seeds of self-creation. And then you decided to go to U of M, but you were scared to pursue it. So you went in as general ed. So how did you actually end up getting into the program?
1: I started taking a acting for non-majors class and, you know, actually another girl in that class had told me she was thinking about auditioning for the program. And it had always been something in the back of my mind. And kind of together, we decided to do it. We found Aww. monologues. And we both got in. We were in the Who same- Who the girl? Melissa Galladay. I don't think I know her. Oh, she's wonderful. Yeah. She's now at Juilliard in New York. She's, oh, good for Melissa. Yeah, doing amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I auditioned as a freshman there, got into the program knowing that that meant another four-year commitment. So I was at Michigan for five years. I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. And I, so I got a double major, which to be honest, I wish I had (laughs) not
0: Why do you wish you hadn't?
1: It was great. I'm glad that I got the the general education that I did. However, I I knew I wasn't going to use it.
0: What was the other degree?
1: Communications. Okay.
0: I have that too. Yeah. I have have two degrees though, because I took so many credits.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that was the thing. I think I like... Was just so overloaded mm-hmm. at school and between academics and rehearsals at night. Like, no, you know what? I take it back. I think it was the best. Don't day. you
0: think it prepped you for what you're doing yeah. now? Because you're so overloaded now. Like, I look at it like a badge of honor. I'm like, yeah, yeah I did two degrees in four years. What right. have you done lately?
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like,
0: you know, I I still look back at college as like what set me up to work as hard as I do yeah, now. Totally. You know,
1: and I think. I think most people work their hardest in college and Mm -hmm. then like are able to skate by the rest of their lives, but,
0: or some people skate by in college and then work hard after. Yeah. But really it's like whatever you did in college, if you did the right thing, just transfer those skills to life.
1: Right. Right.
0: So what was it like being in a conservatory program? Like what are the benefits and drawbacks of that? Would you recommend it to someone who wants to be an actor?
1: I loved it. You know, there's definitely a part of me that was like, should I have just come out here at 18 and like done the damn thing but I would not be the actor that I am today and I still think it would have taken whether I was taking classes here or whatever it would have taken me 4 years to to grow in not only the actor but the human like I think so much about acting is knowing who you are as a human being and accepting who you are as a human being and college was just like such a beautiful place to do that not to mention being supported by just unbelievable professors and doing different types of acting that I wouldn't have done if I came straight out here. It's just not, you know, I wouldn't have clowned. Right. And that was like my favorite thing that I did in college. And let's
0: just be clear. It's an actual class yes. about being a clown.
1: Yes. And it is the hardest what, what, acting class I've ever taken. Tell me
0: why. What is that class like? What does it entail? Yeah. Should we take a clown in class? If
1: you can. Yes. Yes, I 100% think it made me a better actor. It's it's all about like so your clown is your deepest desire to perform. Aww.
0: It's your child I self. Be a clown I know. Right I now. know.
1: And there was something just like therapeutic about it. You would come in, it didn't matter what kind of a day you were having, you were able to shed that all off and like play. And 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 it was all about being vulnerable and not being afraid to make a fool of yourself and falling on your face a thousand times until it's funny. You know what I mean? Like it, it's such a like beautiful metaphor for life. Of like, it may not work the first time. It may not work the second time. It's gonna work the third time. That that's that like so rule of like. Do
0: you have to be funny as a clown? You can no, be a sad clown. Totally. Totally. And, and would you paint your face? Like, how far does the clowning go?
1: Yeah. We didn't paint our faces. So, like, each week we would bring in a new article of clothing that our clown would wear. And our professor, who he referred to himself as the ringmaster, would <laughs> accept or deny your piece of clothing. So, like, you would do what they call a noodle. <laughs> Sounds like something John makes up. Um, <laughs> Where basically he, he gives you a premise.
0: John is our mutual friend who you've heard on the podcast before yes. at Johnny Cakes. He's the amazing. Johnny Cakes. I'm so sorry.
1: I just had one of his cakes last night. Delicious. They, it's the best. So you do a noodle where basically he gives you a premise and you go up as your clown and you play mm-hmm. and he'll be like, oh, your shoes need to be smaller. Or you you figure out whether you're a leader or a follower and you kind of create this human and persona and outfit around it so we don't necessarily we do wear noses and we don't paint our faces but and all of my clothes were just like my roommate's shoes that were too large for me and these weird pair pair of like pants that I had to like tie up high you know you you f- it's truly really about just what like feels right to you.
0: Mm, that sounds amazing. I'm yeah. going to see if they have clowning classes in L. A. You should. I'll get back to you, the listener. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, you would say the BFA in acting was really important for you for your personal development yes. and your development as an actor because you at 18 probably weren't ready to like come out here and like move to the big city.
1: I think I would have been overwhelmed mm-hmm. by outside forces, and I was able to like. Cultivate my core of a human being, and station- it was Pilates for the performer. Exactly, <laughs> those long, lean muscles.
0: Yeah. I love that, and I think it does. You it can work to come out here right away totally. as soon as you graduate high school, but you have to be a very particular person. Yeah. Like I would have been chewed up and yeah. spit out Same. if I had done that because I was so green. I was still green when I moved here at Me twenty-two, too. but if I had moved here when I was eighteen. Yeah. I would not have survived it. So if you are like a highly developed person and you've always been that way, you're a really old soul and just get it, have total clarity about what you want in life and in career, Totally, go for it. But otherwise, I do think that the acting degree or at least some sort of schooling to like put a gap between high school and life school is really, really necessary and important.
1: Yeah. And... The only thing it didn't do, which I do think coming out to L.A. right away and, like, figuring it out as soon as you can is that business aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And they just – you know, they still very much teach for a theater career. Mm -hmm. And that's not what the majority of people now they're going are doing. So they come to L.A. and they're like, I'm not going to play a 40-year-old in a play. And, like – (laughs) Why? Yeah, exactly. And, like, I don't know how to get an agent or a manager. and.
0: How did you go about learning that when you moved here?
1: Speaking of creating, my school didn't have a showcase at the time. And about two years before... And a
0: showcase. Let's explain what that is.
1: So it's most theater departments will put on a showcase in New York and in LA for casting directors and agents and managers in order to kind of like present their class of 2020 to the industry. And that's often how people get managers and agents and start getting called into rooms. So they didn't have that set up for us. They thought that that wasn't the right way to do it. So my class and I decided we were going to put on our own showcase.
0: Again, (laughs) self-creation. I'm seeing the pattern here.
1: Yes. So I spearheaded that. And um, it was a semi-success for the first year, but now the program is doing it for everybody. So I, I'm happy that we were able to at least like initiate that need and and proof that it's worth it for all future U of M students. So we put on the showcase. I got a manager through that. That manager did not do much for me at all. And kind of seeing that, I realized that you know it 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 really is true when they say they're getting ten percent. They should be doing ten percent of the work, and you should be doing ninety percent of the work. So I just started working my ass off. And submitting to everything and meeting everybody that I could and trying to cultivate real relationships with people that I, I found interesting and inspired me and I enjoyed working with. But not much was happening. Uh, I had a few, like, small web series that I love and and were great when I first came out here. And I was just feeling like I was hitting a wall and I didn't know how to level up.
0: And how many years into the journey is this? Is this all like first year you're out here?
1: First year, second year, part of third year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I kind of was creating my own stuff, but like not to the level that it felt that I was investing in myself. It felt like I was filming a scene for my reel, which is great, but that only says so much for for like the larger you know trying mm-hmm. to get to that next level i just like i didn't know what i could do what was holding you back at that point fear of failure not feeling that i was good enough not knowing the resources and and the right people i guess i'm not sure i think i think i was just so scared And I didn't know how to create the environment in order for success. And I just kept joining in on other people's projects rather than starting my own because that felt easiest. And it wasn't until my boyfriend was like, you have to start writing. You have to do it. And we started writing together and he started giving me the tools that I hadn't learned because I didn't go to you know, film school. And
0: did he go? No, he
1: was, uh, cre- he was a creative writing major in oh, at school, it. but not filmmaking. And he just started doing it and found people to help him. And like you passed down the knowledge and he, I hate to say that, but he gave me the confidence that I needed to believe in myself.
0: There's literally nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think we have a weird thing in our culture where we're like, Oh, like, I mean, I don't, support codependency but yeah. this isn't codependency no. this is having a partner who believes in you and yeah. pushes you to be a better version of yourself that you're already longing to be
1: right
0: how important has that been to you and how can we go about seeking relationships yeah. like that when we're in the dating arena
1: yeah you know it was life changing it it truly changed my life and it was very clear that that was going to be something that the two of us had together from the start i mean we were we just clicked, and he... How did you know? <laughs> um. How did I know? Well, so I had had this idea for a script for so long, and I told so many people I was going to start writing it, and a year goes by, and I hadn't started writing it because I was scared that I I didn't know what I was doing. So I brought the idea up to him and asked him if he you know knew any books I could read, and he gave me a book, and then... I asked if he would read the scene that I wrote and he read the scene and he's like – he he asked if he could work on it with me. Mm. And of course, like I, I took the opportunity of somebody who has written scripts and worked with people, at you know, at a higher level than himself and and I knew we had a good – actually, no, I didn't know if we had a good working relationship. We found that. And it it very much could have crashed and burned. But we were able to figure out the balance of our working relationship and our personal relationship and How? finding uh, trial and error, <laughs> a lot of trial and error, especially in the beginning because I, was, I felt, it's so interesting, I felt more vulnerable writing than I did acting. And it's probably because I was so confident as an actor. I know my skills and I know my capabilities. And as a writer, I was doubting every single thing that I was doing along the way. So there were i there were a lot of teenage tantrums and he it was seeing how he dealt with me and and knowing i was safe to not only express my fears and my doubts but that he would bring me back up and bring me back to reality of like you're you're not looking at the facts you're just feeling this emotional feeling of like doubt rather than looking at the the feature film that we just wrote and he was such a big proponent of just get something on the page. Mm-hmm. It can be terrible. Yeah. It doesn't matter if That's it's terrible. So important. Because the number of bad ideas that have turned into good ones. So another thing we do is we have another writing partner, which I think for us is such a great working relationship because, first of all, you got the two out of three thing. So like <laughs> there's always a winner. And right. it's not just, no, I'm right, no, I'm right.
0: And, wow, you know what? You're really, like, a person who should advocate for (laughs) threpples. I'm
1: all about that. Uh, I'm like, well, maybe,
0: like, a thruple. I was, like, judging the idea of a thruple earlier because I heard about someone who was in a thruple. But I'm like, maybe they haven't
1: fucking figured out. It's, you know, I can't. I'm too jealous of a person for a thruple. I could literally never do it. But when it comes to working, like, threpple might be the way to go. It might be the way. Because... Usually the majority is right. Mm -hmm. Usually like somebody's either feeling um, like emotionally attached to an idea because they thought of it or I don't know. It's just – it's a nice way to check yourself and especially as in a relationship. three
0: branches of the government. Exactly. It makes sense. Checks and balances. Exactly. Love
1: it. So Michael was another great help to us figuring out what our working relationship would be and and you know it took a lot of time of we're and we're still working on it like there's still so many days where we sit down for dinner and we realize an hour in we're only talking about the film and we need to be very clear about cultivating time for our relationship just as much as because we spend all day working on the film and working on projects and we work from home so it's like very much in our life Um, so setting aside time of, okay, we're going on a date and we are not allowed to talk about work for the next two hours.
0: What does that actually look like? Do you do the date night like once a week? Like how does that manifest in real life?
1: It varies. Yeah. And like we just booked a vacation for when all of this is done. Having something to look forward to when you're in the midst of like chaos has been great for us. And for us, we've tended to just be like, okay, we've had a crazy 48 hours. Tomorrow, let's go to breakfast. And, you know, it, it very much is kind of a day-by-day day for us. However, it's so important that we, like, step away and step back and make sure that we're connecting as human beings and not just business partners.
0: Time for Diet Coke, babe. Yes, yes, yes. da 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 da, da. <laughs> I really need a Love what you love. Diet Coke. Get runway ready. A chance to win the ultimate shopping experience plus hundreds of prizes curated by Kate Moss. Promo packs in store, 18 plus, T's and C's, visit coke.co.uk slash break. So, okay, tell me a little bit about Up There. Like, how did this all actually come to fruition? Because it's one thing to have an idea. Yeah. It's another thing to write it down, which we've discussed. It's another thing completely to actually make it and push it into the world. Yeah. What did that take? And (laughs) and also, what's your advice to other people who are
1: in the midst of the making it, pushing it part? Yeah. My advice is to jump in. Jump in and do it. I was – working at a restaurant at the time and I was miserable and I was talking to my mom as I was opening um, the restaurant up and she was like, as Michigan mothers, just come home and make a movie. It's like, (laughs) mom, I can't do that. Actually, I think that's an
0: incredibly amazing thing. Like most people are like, just come home, period.
1: (laughs) exactly. She (laughs) was actually like,
0: come home and Pursue your dream exactly. here, exactly. Because you know this is a great tip. There's really something to being in the place who, where people love you at a base level. Oh my god! Outside of anything you do, I mean, there is I mean, you've got your people yeah. here, but there is something about just
1: going home and people who just love you for you, and, and and creating from that place exactly. And the and I'll go into it later, but the the story itself was such a personal journey, and the film would not have been done. Finished without my community support. It truly like people opened their doors. They did whatever they could to help us make it. And like it was the ultimate collaborative experience with and without filmmakers. Like it was amazing. So, so at the restaurant, my mom says that to me. I'm finishing opening. I'm really thinking about it. And I said, fuck it. And I texted Daniel and I said, Hey, I want to quit my job. Can we go home? And make a movie. And he just replied, yep. Oh. <laughs> and that's when we started. We pulled Michael in. That's when we started working with him. And we started writing. I, I had an idea of what I wanted to write about. And we started writing that next week. And started. So that was in June. And we started filming in August. I mean, it was a pure. That's
0: amazing.
1: Amazing. Also amazingly stupid. Like, <laughs> it was. But there was something so beautiful about how naive we were, and I think that that was the reason we were able to do it. The power of not knowing. Exactly. You didn't know
0: how hard it was going to be, so it wasn't as hard as it could have been. Exactly.
1: (laughs) And it was like this unbelievably crazy experience, but we did it, and we finished it, and we finished it to, I think, like way beyond what people expected us to do, and- So, so we, we wrote it in about three weeks, (laughs) a little bit less. We were rewriting on set. Like our fear couldn't hold us back because we had set a timeline. We had set a date. We had the money. We were going to do it. Yeah, And we were going to figure out the rest as we went. Tight deadlines force you to stay present. Yes. That's a really great tip. Exactly. And, and there was no problem that we couldn't solve because we had to. We had never, you know, it was such a small amount of money for a film, but it was a big amount of money for us and like
0: how much was the budget?
1: yeah, for production, it was twenty thousand Wow, but that was possible because of my community. You know, my high school friend's mom gave us the hardware store to film in for the day, and the grocery store let us take over an aisle, we like help people find their pasta in between takes like <laughs> it was just. People truly opened their doors and and wanted to make this happen for us as much as we did, and it was a story that I I didn't I didn't want to tell anywhere else but in my community.
0: What is the story?
1: Yeah. Oh, so I'll give you the like yeah just little give me, like, synopsis and then I'll give synopsis. the background. Yeah. <laughs> So the synopsis is: a uh, New York Times journalist comes into a small town in Michigan, doing a story about closing of open mines. Um, but nobody will talk to him. You know, big city, open mines, open. Uh, so the area that I live in is a big iron mine. Oh, wow. yeah. So open the mines are closing and jobs are being displaced. Oh, wow. And nobody will really talk to him. And he meets this local girl um, who offers to help in exchange for writing lessons. Um, And he comes to find out that 10 years prior, her three best friends and parents were killed in a shooting. And she deals with that trauma in a very particular way. And he begins to manipulate her in order to get that story rather than the one he came to write. Ooh.
0: yeah. Where did you get this idea from?
1: So when I was – and as you said before, it was kind of something – immediately I knew I wanted to write about. Um, When I was a senior in high school, there was a shooting in the town that I grew up in, and I lost one of my best friends along with two other teenagers in the community. It's obviously a, a trauma that has changed my life and the community's lives, and it was something that still, you know, obviously is heavy on my heart, and I wanted to look at the idea of what happens when years later when the news vans are gone and people are still dealing with this trauma and still dealing with this loss and how that manifests itself and so I brought this idea to the boys and they were on board and we kind of created a world and characters completely different from the event I wanted to be very cautious and respectful of those who have been affected by it and I think it turned into a really beautiful look of of grief and trauma and you know it's something that people deal with every day whether it's a a big or small trauma and how that is dealt with and how how that manifests itself in in you and your personality.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting, you know, of all people to get inspired by Chelsea Handler said this thing that like really blew me away. Yeah. And she was talking about losing her brother. Mm. And she said, I didn't realize that you could get stuck in a moment. Yes. That you could have this thing happen to you and your mind, while you've moved on, like physically, your body's different. You're like literally in a different place. You're still moving through life but that one piece of your mind associated with that trauma is still back there. Yeah.
1: And that there's all these little ways you're still being affected by it every day. Right. And that's very much what the lead character is dealing with. Mm-hmm. She hasn't been able to move on and and this like unbelievable need to keep their memories alive. Um which is something I very much felt as as a teenager of how do we people wanting us to move past it, but how are we able to understand what happened and and still respect the memory of our friends who we've lost?
0: How did you do that in real life and how did that affect your journey as a human and a creative?
1: It's it's funny. I was just talking to my therapist about it. Like I don't know that I've ever really dealt with it and I don't know that it's something that you can move on from. And as a creative, I think it's – I mean, I don't know. I think as an actor, I I I know what that immediate loss feels like. I think I don't know. I've never thought about that actually, as a creative, how that has affected me. Well, it probably gives you an instant empathy for any character yeah. you're playing.
0: Yes, because you do. You I've seen you act. I've had the privilege before, <laughs> and you do have a really great way of making like. I don't think your character is particularly likable. Yeah. The one in what was that play called? Uh, Dying City. Dying City. Yes. yes. But you brought a likability to her and an empathy to her that if someone else had embodied that character, like – I'm just saying like her lines weren't likable, Oh, but the way you portrayed her was because of the empathy you brought to her. Right, right. So maybe there's just like an openness and an empathy that comes through. And also the fact that you're writing this movie is a pretty clear translation. Yes. And it
1: was such a... And that you have the courage to pursue your dreams because you realize how fleeting life can be. Right, right. Exactly. And that was something huge. And it was interesting, I think, you know, at least for my friend who I lost, it was so clear that like she lived life to the fullest of every day. And I think that was a beautiful lesson that I I took into the rest of my life. And why I say yes, and why we jumped into to make the film. And especially when it was something I'm so passionate about and something that is so close to me. And we had angels while filming. We really did. Like there were so many ways that it could have gone wrong and things that could have halted production. And there was always a solution and something was always figured out. And I I do believe that it was... Them my lifting angels. you up. Yeah. yeah. That's totally. beautiful. Yeah.
0: So something that happens when you make a project is you make it, you're so proud, and then there's a part where you have to push it into the world. Yes. And that can bring up some really interesting, uncomfortable feelings okay. of embarrassment, mm-hmm. not feeling enough, excitement, fear, one thing I was so blown away by was you reaching out to me and like asking to come on the show. And yeah. I just, I know the kind of bravery that <laughs> takes. It really, it's scary. Like yep. even though you and I have a great rapport, like yeah. I've always loved you. I think you're one me of too. Johnny's most amazing friends and <laughs> I feel like you're my friend as well. Yes. But it's still scary. It's terrifying. You know? So let's talk about what it feels like to then, you've got the
1: project yep. finished and then ask for help.
0: Yeah. What does that feel like?
1: Every single word you said <laughs> just then I have felt all those emotions constantly through my body. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, we said that, so after production, we would look at the the piece of art that we have and decide whether it is worth investing more money into it. And we did feel that. And we've continued to invest not only money, but I mean, hours and hours of our time. And there are doubts about it. There are things I hate about it. There are things I absolutely love about it and putting it out into the world has been the most vulnerable part of this entire process. But I believe in the film and I believe that there is an audience for the film and we got it to this point. We now need to take it to the finish line because that's what it deserves. So we have all Michael, Daniel and I put our egos to the side and said, we will reach out to every single person that we know in order to ask for help because that's how we got to this point and we've been successful up until this point we 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 can take it the rest of the way and i have been overwhelmed you know it gets easier and easier because every person that i have reached out to has been so warm and welcoming and helpful that it makes it that much easier to reach out to the next person
0: i'm asking for myself right yeah. now and also for anyone else who's in this position so like when you reach out to someone who's like less of a home run person, like let's mm-hmm. say you're reaching out to someone you kind of know, you're friendly with, but you're kind of like I don't know if they're going to like this. Yeah. What's the approach for that for that
1: ask? For me, it's giving them an out. Okay. Of like, I understand what I'm asking you. I know it's a little bit crazy. If this is not something you can do, that is totally fine. I appreciate you taking the time to even read this. Mm-hmm. I mean, so so currently we're in pre-sales and we're reaching out to every all of our close friends in order to pre-sale the movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in order to set it up for success on its opening day. So that means you're asking them
0: to buy the movie ahead of time. Exactly. Okay, cool.
1: And the people that i haven't spoken to in 10 years are the first people to jump on it. It's it's just like i've i've been blessed with a community that supports me and has supported me whether we speak every day or whether we haven't spoken in 3 years. and i think that's a testament to the genuine relationships that i've made sure that i've built with people. i think in los angeles it's so easy to have these surface level connections and I would rather not have a surface level connection. I would rather not have that relationship than I, I I need it to be genuine. So I think I've I've been able to take that and and help the success of the film. But it's I think the the important thing is like knowing your worth and knowing that everybody has been in this position. Everybody has had to ask for help. Even the people who are the – especially the people who are the most successful right now. And I've seen a really beautiful willingness to help because they've been helped. Mm -hmm. And especially when it's clear you're passionate and, and this thing is so important to you.
0: What other success have you seen come to you from stepping forward in this way?
1: Yeah. I was cast in another feature, which was great. Hell yeah! Yeah, I don't work in the restaurant industry anymore, and that's like that restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I now, you know, work freelance from home, which is has created an environment for Dan and I to be able to write every day and like really put our creativity first and our business first. Um, What are you doing freelance from home? I'm working in social media. Oh, very cool. Yes. You know, I I hope none of those people are listening, but like it was truly a fake it till you make it type of a thing. A millennial, I am quick on my toes and I'm happy to figure things out and I was created a business out of it. That's
0: the thing that matters the most in yeah.
1: life. People
0: who are willing to work hard. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. I mean, we're seeing success with the film and, and ready to, everybody's asking what's next and and we're setting ourselves up to be able to use this as a calling card and take again that next level up and Mm -hmm. be able to make another film. And it's so funny because I never, you know, I had always seen myself as an actor period and it's, it's opening my eyes to like another world of what my career could be. And it's so exciting and it's so fulfilling and, and there's some relief there because I'm not, Waiting around for my next job. You empowered yourself. Yeah,
0: that's yeah. the thing. I love acting so much, so much. But it was breaking my heart because like, I couldn't keep waiting for someone to tell me I was good enough. Exactly, couldn't do it. Exactly, you know. And when you empower yourself in this way, you're letting yourself do what you love right. when, when, whenever you want it, whenever right. you're ready. You know, right. like you could go film a sketch right now. Yeah, exactly. You know? But. When you're just sitting around waiting, it's a very heartbreaking field. Yeah. So I think it's so important to find complementary creativity, mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. Like, you know, if you, um, I don't know, I'm not going to like try to sit here and make something up, but you no, get it. Like yeah. whatever you do, like find a complementary skill that empowers you to do it more.
1: Exactly. Like writing has become... This daily creative outlet for me that has made me just a happier human being. Mm -hmm. Like whether, you know, what I write that day becomes anything or not, it doesn't matter. It's feeding me and my life and and my love for making things.
0: Mm -hmm. More eggs in your basket.
1: Yes. That's right, baby. Fill them up. Fill them up.
0: Have you seen yourself on the big screen yet? We have. What did that feel like?
1: The first time was unbelievable it's unbelievable I, I'm just like I, I'm continuously overwhelmed by this the response that we've gotten and not only to the film itself but my performance and and it's I'm really grateful that we've had the opportunity to put it out there now at this point I don't want to watch it <laughs> seen we've it seen, seen many it times. way too many times hundreds of times but it's there's something special and you know when you watch it now all you see are the bad things that you hate about it but and and that's actually something I'm trying to work on of turning that off and enjoying it and enjoying the process and enjoying being in a room with the pe- people who are enjoying it.
0: Like, oh, it's so interesting. That's interesting. I like with the podcast in particular. Mm-hmm. I hate like every minute of like the editing process because yeah. it's so tedious. But then once it's out there, I listen to it as a fan and I fucking love this show. Well, because it's great. Like, but you know, it's yeah. so cool yeah. to love what you're doing. Yeah. And I think you'll get there. It just takes time. Like the yeah. first time I did radio, I wasn't like, wow, you're amazing, Lauren. Wow. <laughs> but you know, it's like the more you listen or watch yeah. yourself, the more you realize, hey, I've worked really hard to yeah. be where I'm at. And yeah. hopefully you're making content that's for you or a younger version exactly. of you. And
1: and it resonates. Exactly. And it's, it's that's something interesting Dan and I have been talking about of – accepting the things that we don't like about this film and realizing that that was us as an artist two years ago and and we are not those artists anymore. And And thank God because you've grown. Exactly. And like the things we don't like about this film doesn't mean that like we can't make something completely different next and like change the outlet of like where we're going and the negatives about the film don't need to hold us back for what's next.
0: Beautiful. I love that. So, okay, one other thing, just like I want to give people who are any budding filmmakers some advice. So you did get it into many different theaters, right? In Michigan, one here, right?
1: Yes, we did a week here in L.A. We're doing a week in Milwaukee and then um, five different cities throughout Michigan.
0: What did the process of
1: actually getting it into theaters look like? Yeah, so we... You know, we met with a couple distribution companies and we... Through How re- did you do that? Um, th- through a couple film festivals, they reached out and our managers. Got it. Um, and we, between research and our conversations with them, we realized, you know, a lot of these smaller independent film distribution companies kind of, they take advantage of, of these indies and mm-hmm. it's really hard for you to see the profit. Um, so we decided to self-distribute our film. So we still owned it. We will see every cent that is put back into the film in our pockets. We kind of felt like, you know, we did everything up until now. Why why shouldn't we finish it off? So I was cold calling theaters. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And just, you know, reaching out to these small independent art house theaters throughout Michigan. We knew, you know, anybody who is from Michigan or has some sort of kind of Midwest connection, there's been that immediate...
0: We all want to help each other. Exactly. So badly. Exactly. So...
1: <laughs> we i just reached out for weeks and we had some wonderful theaters respond to the, the movie and the idea. And so, um, next week we leave and we are going to each city and doing Q and A's and all of them and sharing them with, you know, we're going back home and sharing it with where we made it. Mm. Yeah. I'm really excited.
0: Well, that's really good to know because I would never think that it would be, not that that's easy in any way, but that it's that accessible. Totally. That's really great to know. So if you're a filmmaker listening to this right now and you have a film that you think is, you know, worth putting out, call those places and see what you can do.
1: And the other thing, which I mean, like truly anybody can get their film out into the world these days. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So like we went through a company called Distriber, who you pay to set it up on, you know, any of the streaming platforms. So if you, and so it's a VOD, so video on demand, which you get a percentage of each purchase. But if you have a film you believe in that you think has an audience, you can get it up on Amazon. You can get it up on iTunes. And why not? Because you have a finished product. Give it the opportunity to make you some money back. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I thought of a movie like Growing Legs and like Walking Throughout the USA. (laughs) Like,
1: hey, guys. It's me again. I'm finished.
0: (laughs) You talked about fear and how that has held you back in the past and how you really faced it. So what is your current relationship
1: with fear today? I'm still working on it. Um, I think I am better about knowing my worth and knowing, you know, speaking of, you know, agents and managers, those meetings terrified me. And I was really just trying to get them to like me. And now I just, I have a different approach with not only those types of meetings, but every meeting of we need to like each other. We need to want to work together. It's not just their decision. It's just as much my decision whether we're going to move forward. So, I really think knowing, you know, what I'm capable of and that I'm I'm good at what I do and that helped with the fear and 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 seeing, you know, what what happens when you say fuck it and and that it's okay. And like, sure, there are going to be bumps in the road, but there's nothing you can't overcome.
0: And what's worse than sitting and doing nothing? Exactly.
1: Literally nothing is worse than yeah.
0: that. <laughs> Try. Exactly.
1: Try. See what happens. At least you can be proud of yourself that you tried. That's something we've said about the film. No matter what the success is, we will be able to look back and know we tried everything everything to try to give it the success it deserves. And there's nothing else we can do. So like if we make our money back, amazing. If we don't, great. We we did our damn best. <laughs> and and we'll do it again.
0: Yeah. You talked about some things that kind of reminded me. I'm a little older than you. Mm-hmm. I think two years older. Not much. But the 20s were really, really turbulent for me yeah. and like a hellhole overall. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm so much happier to be 30 even though it's been hard like at least I know what the fuck is going on totally. more of the time what's your advice to those who are still in the thick of their 20s trying to battle through with machete like yeah. how do you survive your 20s I think we'll really, get to that fuck it place sooner
1: right <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had um, really taking account for what you want in your life what you're ti- like I-, I was tired of putting up with bullshit and and i just just accepting what you want what you deserve and and that is in terms of friendships that's in terms of working relationships that's in terms of side jobs like i decided i was not going to work in the ind- in the um restaurant business anymore and i haven't and opportunities have presented themselves because i i think i purely just decided i wasn't going to do it and um yeah, I think – I I really think the first thing is, like, believing in yourself and accepting that you are capable and, like, don't go to the party you don't want to go to. You know what I mean? That took me so much longer than I I – wish it had. Of... And
0: that does have a direct transference into what you start to accept in your career, right. in your relationship, in your relationship with yourself. Yep. If you're constantly betraying yourself to please others, exactly, it's going to show up everywhere. Which was Those little things do matter.
1: Yeah, and who are you doing that for? Sure, you know, there's a friend's birthday you have to go to, you may not want to go to, mm-hmm. but like, truly take take account of like what you want in life and what makes you happy and what doesn't, and if that's like staying home and watching Netflix, like Great. Do that. Feed yourself because doing something you don't want to do because you think it's the right, the the like cool thing or the popular thing or that's going to get me ahead. I have air quotes up. It never does. Right.
0: Or even if you're just doing it to be nice. Like, one thing I've realized is no one cares that much. Exactly. <laughs> like, Everybody's so focused on themselves. I used to, to like, apologize themselves. so much. Like, oh, my God, yeah. please don't
1: be mad. I yeah. don't
0: think I'm going to come. It's like people care for one second and then they're on to the shot that they were doing.
1: And Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they know who you are as a human being. Yeah. Like, if the friendship is there, the friendship is there. Right. Whether you come to the party that you're too tired to go to – doesn't matter. Yeah.
0: And if it does, then maybe they don't belong in your life. Exactly. Beautiful. Exactly. So you know I ask everybody a couple of questions. Oh, no, I forgot about the questions. <laughs> Great. It's no, you're gonna love it because you've already kind of hit on it. So I believe creativity is intricately connected to the inner child. Yes. And so I'm wondering, I, I don't know what age you think of little Zoe as, but whatever age you think of her as, if she was standing in the same room as you right now. Mm-hmm. And looking at you and seeing all the amazing accomplishments you have. This incredible movie. The fact that you're fighting for your dreams. What do you think she would say to you
1: and why? I think she would say, we did it. That's going to make me cry. It's something I try to remind myself of when I feel like I'm not getting far enough. Of look back on the year before. Me a year ago. Would kill for what I'm doing right now. And that reminder of like you are taking steps forward whether it feels like it or not has been really helpful to me throughout this journey of trying to, you know, make a career out of this. You Um, are making a career out of it. You're not trying. You – I saw your post about – what was it about? Aspiring. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. Because – fuck that. I've spent my whole life doing this. You're an
0: actor. You're a writer. No one can ever, ever take that away from you. Regardless of whatever the outside result is,
1: you will always,
0: always be those things. So yeah. And I think you know that. Yeah. And then what would you say to little Zoe and why?
1: I would say something along the lines of like, don't worry about everybody else. I think I've been so consumed with not not really other people's success, but measuring myself up against where I think I should be or where other people may be and focusing on where I am and what I want to do and not worrying about what other people are thinking or what other people are doing and, and trust that I'm on my path. And that path may be different to somebody else's, but I'll get where I need to go in the end of the day
0: yes you will Yeah. thank you for being on oh. Alicia and her creative
1: thank you so much Lauren this is
0: great thank you so much for listening and to my amazing guest Zoe Cantors for more info on Zoe you can follow her at Zoe Cantors that's Z-O-E-K-A-N-T-E-R-S For more info on her film and to check out one of her upcoming screenings, go to uptheremovie.com. The film will be on Video On Demand Tuesday, October 12th, so check it out. And you can actually pre-order it right now, which really helps in getting those first-day purchases up and helps them get on lists, so go ahead and do that. Thanks to Liz Full for making this show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And thank you. If you love the show, be sure to subscribe and give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts favorite it on Spotify and if this episode resonated take a screenshot of yourself listening post it to your Instagram stories tag at unleash your inner creative and at Lauren Lagrasso and I will repost it to share my gratitude and also to share you because I think you're awesome and again my songs coming out on November 8th so you can pre-save it with the link in my Instagram bio at Lauren Lagrasso and check out my show at bar Lubich on November 11th at 8:30 p.m my wish for you this week is is that you just start. Like Zoe said, get something down on the page. Whatever the equivalent of that is in your creative life, don't be too afraid to start. Just get something out there and you can edit it later. But that feeling of starting is so empowering and it opens the floodgates for all the rest of your creativity to come through. All right. Have a beautiful week. I believe in you.